Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Hello, listener. We're back for another exciting episode of Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joshua. How are you doing? I am well. How are you? I am wonderful. You know, we're here doing this again. I love it. I know. You know? Mm. Yes. Um, yes. Today, dear listener, we have a, a, an exciting, a new guest lecturer has joined us. Uh, she is a fantastic activist, a, I'm sure, just killer public defender, Love her dearly, uh, Miss Adrian. Yes, thank you. Hi. Hi. I I am a very good public defender. You know, actually, I recently got three not guilties on a row. Back in a back. row, Ooh, a, a row. hat trick, a hat trick. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> so, would you say you're good at getting people off? Yes, <laughs> that's that's what she said. That's my, <laughs> it's my one of my favorite floats in the Pride Parade, San Diego public defenders getting you off. I love that. 19 whatever. Yeah. Whatever. 19 whatever. I'm like, ah, I got, I see what you did there. <laughs> I've never seen that, but I don't, uh, parades typically happen during the day. Yeah. Cause you know, I don't go out during the day. So it's been a long time since I've seen the <laughs> pride parade and it lasts 73 hours now. Oh yeah. It's you like know. five hours. Long. All my friends are out there drunk as fuck, pickled, burning alive in the hot sun. I'm not not here for it not here for so it i've not seen the the public defenders getting you off thing i i, I approve it. i hate it when my friends burn alive yeah it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> there's other the sizzling <laughs> i could go either way yeah and it's all the alcohol too just burning <laughs> just burning <laughs> um we need to question the uh, uh the quality of friends that you have so yeah, so we brought present uh, company included, or oh, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know why he's. Anyways, that's a whole other. That's... That that would be the worst thing ever. This podcast has taken a turn. <laughs> I mean, I've heard about spontaneous combustion. Yeah, no, that's definitely like my. I totally as like a kid, I read the. You remember like the Weekly World News or. You never saw that? It's like, a, it was mm-hmm. like, um, so in supermarkets in like the 90s, and I mean, I'm sure it's older than that, but like that's, you know, my frame of reference. Mm-hmm. You would go, and in the checkout stands, you know, they always have all those impulse buy stuff, you know, all the candy and things that you scream at your parents that you want. It's like hellacious for everybody involved. <laughs> but they have like the National Enquirer and all that, and they also had the Weekly World News, and it was always like Bigfoot caught in, uh, you know, 
mm-hmm. whatever cheating scandal. The Loch Ness monsters had another baby. It was just like weird stuff. Uh, aliens. They always had sphinx cats on the cover as like you know alien cats from the moon are invading. Mm-hmm. Just weird stuff like that. And they would have stories like that, like woman you know spontaneously combusted. And I was like six, seven, eight, nine, you know. And I loved to like while we were checking out, I would read that stuff and then go home and think about it obsessively. <laughs> like like I'm just gonna be one foot. I'm gonna burn completely up and there's just gonna be a foot left because that was always like the photos oh my gosh yeah it was anyway you know (laughs) that's a big fear of mine it's rare but it's happened and i've i've heard about stories where people spontaneously combusted and survived it that could you imagine that after you spontaneously combust once how are you gonna live your life i know right knowing that you could do it again (laughs) i think to the fullest is the answer (laughs) you throw caution to the wind knowing yeah you can burst into flames any moment it's the best thing that ever happened to you actually is to you right there's a go around is that like there's a a rom-com in here somewhere yeah (laughs) absolutely there's something for you to write joe yeah exactly the self-combustible rom-com another joe wrote about it joe hill the book the fireman he wrote it's about a virus or like a a a spore that does that it causes people to like spontaneously combust and it gives you like this tattoo fungus kind of thing on your body but it's all about like bursting into flames and so it's horrifying because that is that's like one of my you know i do not want to burn to death because that is (laughs) terrible have you heard about flash spoiler alert (laughs) terrible have you heard about jesus christ right (laughs) (laughs) because i hear that if you know him is it you won't you won't burst into flame you know i got guess i gotta work on that gotta well work i on learned my something about you you don't want to burn to death yeah <laughs> look at that fun fact fun fact uh <laughs> write that down put that in your bio it's like hi Joshua. yeah and Bye. then if something happens to me and i do burn to death because i do absolutely believe in like um irony or something or whatever that is like dramatic dramatic irony, irony. <laughs> or you know i i don't think i'm using that right but like i've spent my whole life fearing that and that's like what's going to happen and that's what you can say at, in, as part of the eulogy that hopefully or to- whatever a toast, maybe. Maybe this a toast. The, this <laughs> is the worst say. thing he ever. This is the yeah. worst thing that could have happened to him. He did not want to die this way, <laughs> y'all. But he did, and he has. So here we are. So morbid. But yeah, that would be, yeah, that's the curse. So uh, we did bring Adrian on today. We're going to discuss the 1996, uh, I hesitate to call it a film. <laughs> uh, a thinner Stephen King's Thinner. Yes. Uh, we are going to talk about that, but first we are going to uh, discuss. Adrian and uh, come in, you know, what, you know, experience with horror and all of that. So um, I guess we start with that. Like, why why horror? Why do you think people make horror films, Adrian? You know, I, I think I might uh, defer to your judgment on that. Did you want to do the whole <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, backstory on my experience with horror? We could, we, yeah, we could start with that. Do you remember the first horror film you ever saw? Oh, that you knew was a horror movie? You know, it was probably one of those doll movies. I don't know if it was Child's Play or Puppet Master or something else I should not have been watching. And I mean, I guess that's how I started watching horror movies. Do you was, remember how young? Too young. I, I don't remember how young, but, you know, <laughs> I wasn't like supposed to. I was, you know, sneaking around watching movies I shouldn't have. And uh, that yeah, taught me right, though. Did you, your parents not allow you to watch horror films? I mean, there was like kind of an age limit, but then it became like this uh, this thing that I would do with my dad because my mom didn't want us to watch scary movies. Okay. Uh, you know, part of the aspect that she didn't like about it and um, 
when she, you know, announced this in front of me and my father was um, that it, about Texas Chainsaw Massacre specifically, that she didn't like the trope of women being tortured. Mm-hmm. And it, it seemed and, you know, I didn't understand it much at the time, but that was uh, I think that was some pretty good momming to point that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say contextualizing, so. absolutely. Yeah. So, what was the? Um, so, you think it was one of the freaky doll movies or Puppet Master or Child's Play, something like that, that you saw first? Do you remember the first uh, horror film that you actively sought out, like that you knew was a horror movie? And I want to see that. I mean, it was one of those doll movies, just because I knew it wasn't supposed to. But yeah, okay. I mean, that you know, I'm terrified of dolls now. I really? think it was a mistake. To watch those movies, most definitely. Um, one of those Puppet Master movies, there is uh, one of those puppets coming from under the bed, and that started my habit of taking a running leap oh, to yeah. get into bed because <laughs> I didn't want anything to... Grab, grab you from under the bed. Yeah. I took I, a lot of precautions after that. I used to think about that with um, what was, uh, Pet Cemetery, where like the gauge like cuts the guy's achilles tendon it's oh like, yeah, oh yeah it's so freaky. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. that got me too so that, that yeah image, that used that to same image yeah that sat with me for a long time you know but what we were talking about before i used to like horror a lot mm-hmm. more but i saw the ring in theaters and it ruined my life mm-hmm. lowered my tolerance and i kind of avoid horror now but i knew thinner wasn't that scary yeah <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yes we typically try you know when we invite our guest lecturers on uh Dear listener, we do let them choose a film to discuss. Right. You know, I, yeah, there was not one time I was scared in that whole movie. So if you're looking to be scared, this is not the one. Right. Dear true. listener. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a different kind of horror, I guess. I mean, if, if, you we'll were a, if you were a white man who, you know, was perpetuating violence against, uh, you know, immigrant people. Probably you should be scared of this film. Right. But, but we'll, we'll dive into yeah, that as we'll, we, we'll get there. As we get along. So um, I think – I'm trying to – I don't remember when we first met. Um, and we definitely met – it was more politics. Yeah, it was right? marriage that's, equality stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's how we came to know each other. So it's not – so it wasn't even like horror. But we did bond over our mutual love of The X-Files. Oh, so good. Which is a good um, – I think for for probably a lot of people, especially like younger people, that was probably a good – entrance into horror like if you were into like aliens and sci-fi stuff there was a lot of horror elements in the x-files do you remember the seeing those episodes for the first time or how you yeah i'm when i was uh in third grade in 93 and the x-files is actually the one show where i i watched the pilot i actually watched it last night as a little refresher oh cool. such a good pilot yeah and in syndication and every Friday or whatever it was when it started, I was just faithfully watching it with, with my dad for a few years of the first uh, first few seasons. Great show. I don't uh, care as much for seasons eight and nine, but I think a lot of people yeah. pretend they don't exist. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a, you know. Uh, you never really watched The X-Files, have you? Nope. Have you seen any episodes of it? Nope. I've okay. seen The X-Files movie. Oh, okay. Well, but something. But not anything else. <laughs> I, no context either. That was like when I watched um, Serenity, the movie, without having watched anything Firefly. Oh, and okay. then And then going back and watching Firefly and being like, ah, I get it now. But it never, yeah, it, it never took hold. They both exist. On, like, you can watch them on your yeah. own and never say anything else. But never, I, I never had a context for X-Files, no. Oh, okay. Wait, you know what? That, that might be a good thing for this show. There's some Monster of the Week episodes, mm-hmm. um, and it's all on Hulu. 
Yeah, we Ooh. yeah we go back and forth. With, like we haven't done a lot of TV stuff. We you know we've reviewed like Netflix specials or things like that. You know, or, or we'll watch, we'll like uh, binge watch something and then talk about it. But um, there's a lot of, of television horror. You know, X Files, Tales from the Crypts, uh, Channel Zero. Yeah, well, yeah, Channel Zero, which we have discussed on this. Um, not in depth, but just that I enjoyed it. <laughs> so I, you know, recommended it. But there is a lot of great horror television that, yeah, we'll have to dive in. Maybe, yeah, in the future it'd be nice to have you come back and we actually watch a couple that. episodes and, mm-hmm. you know, talk about the X-Files in more depth. But as an entree into horror, I, I you know, that's kind of cool. And also, so, so, that's been kind of a running theme on this show as well. Most of us, it, horror is like inherited, you know, like some, there's always that person that, you know, gives us horror <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. like you're talking about with your dad like my mom is a big horror fan and so like that was something we did as a family was watch scary movies <laughs> you know probably too young so i think that's fascinating that again that's you know you've probably covered this before but what was the first scary movie that you remember seeking uh, out see i it's always been around that's the thing it's always been around for him so yeah it's like hard to remember because like it was always i'm i'm Almost positive it was like one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, but because it was like in my family, totally okay to be like a horror nerd and be into horror movies, it's hard to remember because it was like always in the background. You know, there was always a scary movie on, you know, there was, you know, we'd go en masse to the, the video gallery, the movie gallery, you know, is one of them that I remember and like choose, you know, like all the horror movies and we'd pick three or four of them and watch them. I miss those trips to Blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. There's something missing. Mine was yeah. B&J Video. <laughs> oh, of course it was. <laughs> That's what it was called. I, I, I believe you. I believe you. Uh, ben and Jerry's? Um, no, I don't, I don't know. It was like some, it was some, uh, I think it was a Korean family that owned it, but okay. it was B&J Video. Yeah, there were others too. Sometimes I, I remember growing up in grocery stores mm-hmm. would have like a movie rental section. Do, did you ever have that here? Um, or remember I, that? I know I've seen that before. Yes. Yeah, we had. What was the place called? It wasn't like it was. It was a name like Vons, but but something else. Like Kroger's? No, I'm I, no. I'd say Kroger, um, which is Ralph's here, mm-hmm. but. Um, I don't remember what it was called, but they, one of the towns we lived in, they had like a little section. That's where we first rented, like Jurassic Park mm. was from that was from that grocery store video place. You know, they came in these brown um, video holders. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they were all brown and had like tape and white. You know what I mean? Like a white sticker. Like the, I, you know the things you remember, <laughs> the memories that came back. But that's interesting that it was with your father. You know, rather than like a brother or a sister or, you know, a cousin who's like, oh, I've got this scary movie and we're going to get, you know, have a sleepover. We're going to watch it for the first, you know, because I had the same. It was my parents that gave it to me rather than your cousins were the ones who took you to the ring, Joe. To the first time. And then like my, uh, my coming to horror has been here right, with you and, you know, having that kind of appreciation. It's interesting how that, this particular type of culture gets passed down and who passes it to you and... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, well, it, 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 like a lot of things. I mean, music gets passed down that way. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, if you like this, you got to hear this record. You know, or you, you know, you have to appreciate these older bands who, you know, true. But I think with like music, there's still a lot of there's in a lot of ways you can still discover things on your own. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But then I don't know how true that is with like horror. I don't um, know. Maybe I don't know. I've, I've discovered a lot of things on my own. I did watch a movie on my own just yesterday, so. 
That's right. Um, you were yeah. talking about what was it called? It's called Love Witch or the Love, Love Witch. Witch. The and Love Witch. And it's a it's a it's a send up of sixties camp films and it has like it's a it's comedy it's not it doesn't it, it it just does the comedy aspect of it, but it doesn't really like it, it's it's completely ridiculous and it has like all these like classic sixties filmmaking tropes and you know, it's there's a it's heavy in the witchcraft, so there's a lot of actual witchcrafty things that go on in it and but it's it's so it's very queer, but like huh. also not really queer, but very queer because of okay. how it is and yeah, love with is that your read? That's your read on it. Yeah, I mean my read. Every, everything's uh, everything's kind of queer. We'll have to look that uh, look that up and watch that. Yeah. Um, all right. So, anyways, but just my point was, you know, that's it's interesting that you're Adrian talking to Adrian <laughs> here that your father brought you brought you the horror. Mm-hmm. Is he still around? Do you yeah. hang out with him and watch scary movies now or no? No. No. But you know, I like I said, like the ring really lowered my tolerance, and I, I okay. avoid, I avoid horror movies now. Let's talk a little bit about that because we just recently watched Ringu, you know, the the original Japanese oh my God. version that it was based on. Just because because Joe had said that he had seen, you know, the ring was like his first horror film. So I thought, well, this would be fun. We'll watch, you know, what it was based on, and you know, talk about some of like the some the of the American, mythology and the American version is much more terrifying. I thought. Yeah, that's I, the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. So, so what? What was it about the ring that was so scary to you? Well, you or, know what changed your. I, I don't think the plot is that scary, but I actually read an article that validated my feelings about it because the way it was shot is very emotionally manipulating. Like it, it's mm-hmm. there's an, there was an intent in the filming of it to give you this overwhelming sense of anxiety and dread the whole time. And I mean, I definitely remember that, even though it was years ago in the theater, just feeling horrible <laughs> the whole yeah. time. Um, You're it, on edge the entire yes. time because you have no idea what's happening or what's right. going on. There's no real soundtrack. It's just scary sounds, weird crunching things, things are, that are viscerally upsetting. And um, yeah, I'll have to show you that article because it made me feel better about Because mm-hmm. I was like, because people will walk away feeling confused about like, why did it affect me so much? Um, and there's this thing with like these, like they'll have a shot that's far away and then one, then a little closer and then a very quick shot of something disturbing really close up and you're not even sure if you saw it or not. It's, uh, yeah, I'm just getting getting chills (laughs) thinking about it. That's awesome. We've talked about on the show. That conversation, not that happening to you, but I just mean the the visceralness. I need to join a support group. We've (laughs) talked about it on the show a little bit, but the, apparently one of the marketing things for the ring was like, they put out a bunch of videotapes in like, in like secondhand stores that had and like they just put the the ring videotape in like a bunch of secondhand stores and then people started watching it and then the show and the movie was released could you imagine like just being i would i would freak the hell out yeah you know actually my i saw it in the theater and i was like i I never want to see i can acknowledge it's done well but i never want to see it or anything like it ever again my sister had a sleepover party and she rented the VHS of the ring. Mm-mm. I, Seven days. I, I'm not here for this. <laughs> and she she had very long hair, so when I saw her in the dark in the hallway, that was a bad night. Oh my god, that you're like very cruel. I don't. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> See, it's interesting because it's like thinking about it now, thinking about it now and all the, all the films that I've watched for this show, um, the ring I would, the ring I would see, think of as one of the more unsettling ones, but mainly because of those aspects of filmmaking that make it so pro- provoking of this kind of like anxiety. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, it's also not one of the more, it's not one of the more disturbing films I've seen. Um, but in but the context, in the context we, yeah, of what we're talking true. about, but like, <laughs> it is still like, it still has that ability to affect because it, it doesn't take, you don't need a bunch of gore. Right. You just need it to be the right amount of, um, the right amount of, uh, of, uh, unsettled, uh, unsettling images. So, yeah, 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 no, it's definitely very unsettling. I like, I love to put the ring in like on a rainy day. Oh it's like God. dark and Don't gray. Don't call us when yeah. you do that. So I, I still I, really I, like it. I can't admit, I can't. Yeah. I, I mean, that article did talk about different kinds of people too, that there are people who, are just like la 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 just like you should just pop it in on a rainy day i'm just gonna pop this in most terrifying movie i'm not one of those people yeah i'm never gonna pop it again actually what we're doing right now is (laughs) it's on no No. i'm kidding i'm kidding no i would never do that to you thank you okay well i'm glad that you two have been able to um bond over our shared trauma? Yes, over this. Lovely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, wasn't expecting to meet somebody I shared trauma with, but I'm glad I did. You know what? You're not alone. You're not alone. Oh. 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 <laughs> that was... Word. <laughs> Let's... You know... We need a hotline. I, I'm ready for this. Did you suffer from uh, did the trauma ring, from the ring? Did the ring personally <laughs> traumatize you too? Adrian, you have a whole new legal business you could start. I want to see you on the television. <laughs> on the TV, like with fuzziness and all. Like you coming out of the well. You're like in a... You're in a... Like an office with a bunch of the legal books in the background. Did you or somebody Hello. you know die after seeing the ring? <laughs> Call me now. Oh, you might be entitled to a cash settlement. <laughs> oh my god! Alrighty, that's that's delicious. Let's see, I think we're still thinking about it. So yeah, yeah. Okay. When I'm just imagining like Adrian on the television, <laughs> coming closer and closer. Oh wait, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I'll crawl out of a well. <laughs> Take my card. <laughs> If you <laughs> act now, you only have seven days. <laughs> oh, that's oh, good. That's um, wonderful. See, we're healing too. You can laugh at it. We're healing. Oh, this is a good day. We're doing. That's what we're doing. Oh, we're right. healing. <sighs> well, I say we take. We're going to take a little break here, uh, and then we'll be right back to discuss uh, 1996 Stephen King's Thinner. Thinner. I just want to apologize. I'm sorry to everyone. I was very naive and very stupid, and I shouldn't have put other people in danger. I am so sorry for everything that has happened, because in spite of what Joshua says, it's now all my fault. I insisted our listeners subscribe to Fright School on Apple Podcasts, I insisted they leave us reviews. I insisted that they give us a five-star rating. 
And it's all because of me that we're here now and we're being hunted. I love you, Mom and Dad. I am so sorry. I only wanted to make good content for our listeners. I'm so scared. I'm going to die out here. Joshua, is that you? All right, we're back. Uh, Joe, we got to make new ads. <laughs> yeah, we got to. Yes, do. please. Listen, rate, subscribe. I forgot I was going to do like a whole speech in the beginning. I, I, I need to like write that down in my notes mm-hmm. to be like, hey, mention Instagram, mention Facebook, mention Pinecast, our tip jar, all of that stuff. We're going to Monster Mania. We need money. <laughs> Anyways, whatever. I was. <laughs> Just reminders. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, th- sorry, dear listener. You don't need to hear our, our production. That was a great break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So we are here to discuss uh, Thinner, uh, 1996, Stephen King adaptation. Well, I guess originally it's based on a Richard Bachman book that uh, when Stephen King was writing under that. But uh, now they've, you know, now the, the cat's out of the bag. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Every, if you every- didn't know. Every time you say thinner, I want to interrupt to say thinner. thinner. <laughs> <laughs> we're not. We're never going to finish this. Then. No, um, we're not. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so yes, 1996 uh, kind of goes with the theme of the last few episodes we've been discussing: body horror. Uh, it's directed by Tom Holland, who directed the original Child's Play. A um, bunch of other things, and written by Michael McDowell and Tom Holland. But Michael McDowell, famous for writing Beetlejuice, another movie I love. Mm. Um, isn't he also, isn't he part of the Doobie Brothers? Oh, that's Michael McDonald. I'm sorry. Oh, that was a joke. No, oh. I was trying to be, <laughs> I was trying to be funny. Anyways, it's a movie about a, an attorney who, uh, committed a killer manslaughter on the wrong person and gets yes. cursed by the Romany people. Yes. Uh, an obese attorney as they are. Right. Right. Yes, yes, they do want you to know. That's the description. We got it. Right. <laughs> like, so I think we should just go on record right off the bat and say that like the, obviously the, the term gypsy is very problematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're going to try gonna use it. We're not going to use it. I just used it, but we're not going to moving forward. It's fine. You're defining terms. Yeah. Stephen defining King terms. Couldn't get enough of it, but we're going to yeah. back right off. It's like the first line, right? Yes, yeah. The first line. Yeah. Yeah. The first word in the movie. I, I'm glad we made note of that. Yeah. So we're going to, you know, we'll call caravan them, too. The use of the word caravan will very interesting, especially now, hey. especially, uh, you know, all about that. Yeah. Um, we're, we're definitely going to describe, you know, describe them as Romani, as, you know, traveler, Roma. Romani people, Roma, Roma people, but we're not going to be using the G word. So there we go. So I want to say too, there's another podcast that's near and dear to my heart. We hate movies that covered thinner I mean, thinner. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of that in that episode, too. So definitely check that out. But, but something that really endeared me to those guys is uh, they mention, you know, the portrayal of this uh, scummy defense attorney, myself, you know, being one. A, def- <laughs> a defense attorney, not a scummy one. Um, 
Say, Say, did you want to there was, put that label? <laughs> there was this line that was somewhat where along the lines uh, in their episode that went, uh, oh, you know who uh, deserves defending in this country? No one. <laughs> and it's like, thank you. That's uh, always... Uh, that's always nice always, to hear. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was tongue-in-cheek when they said it. There's but no that's, defense for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a... Uh, I, I don't want to monopolize this whole podcast, but... No, that's why I've we invited got some, you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I've got some thoughts and feelings about just that general portrayal of criminal defense attorneys well let's we'll get uh we're gonna put we a, to, yeah 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 to we're unpack, gonna yeah. we're definitely gonna talk about that but um even though it is all it, it's definitely about you because we invite you as a guest <laughs> lecture to discuss this we do always start with joe's uh first initial reaction to the film what he thought as the fright school student you know what it, as, <laughs> as horror goes it's not that it's not as it's not that bad right. like it's very middle of the road and i think if you are someone who just is like oh my god i'm not gonna watch anything horror i think like you could watch this and be okay yeah mm-hmm. um that's me so yeah definitely. i i feel like this i feel like the film was uh, was also fun i i do love a good revenge film so this is re- that was really nice to kind of see how it all played out in the end here um i thought you were gonna say roadhead oh well that <laughs> I also I do love, love a good, a good roadhead. Road loves head story. I also do good. Uh, 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 do love a good roadhead story. But when, yeah, like just so we can just go right into it. When Spoiler she, alert. when when Heidi, uh, the wife of the main character Billy, starts like going down on him, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Wow, 1996. Okay, okay. I mean, it wouldn't be until like you know season one of American Gods where we have like a roadhead plot point um, significant enough like that for a while. But um, that's, yeah, that's true. Or um, you know, a GC- well, I mean, there's others, but yeah, GCB yeah. on ABC, the short-lived TV show. Like the woman Leslie Bibb's husband uh, dies uh, getting getting roadhead after committing a bunch of embezzlement. So. Um, yeah, don't, I, you're all looking at me like you are gay. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so like it, it was overall, I thought it was like, it's a fun one. It's definitely one that you can put in the background. It's also very of its time. It's very nineties in the way it's shot. It's almost has that kind of like made for TV lifetime movie feel to it. (laughs) The way that it, the way that like Maine and those small towns are portrayed. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember also seeing the trailers for thinner and just thinking like, oh my God, that sounds awful. That sounds great, and then it sounds awful when Co- you see him. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> you thought right. Yes. Um, no, my reaction before was just, uh, I, I'm just impressed that you've seen some other Roadhead scenes. Oh, right. <laughs> should, that should be a new theme. Like, let's review all the Roadhead movies. Let's let, let's review all these Roadhead movies. Yes, uh, how, how, how Roadhead just <laughs> ends badly. <laughs> Don't do it, can. children. There, what, yeah, because in American Gods, she like bites it off, right? They, well, she like it ends up like lodged in her throat right, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's horrifying. But they both die, so don't worry. He didn't have to like live without his penis. I know you were really worried about that, I Adrian. Was super I know you were like, wait a second, would survive. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. There's another. What is the movie? Or maybe it's a book or something. There's like a whole discussion about Roadhead. About like there's like a quote where it's like you know. I taught her how to do that. Am I responsible for her death? Is that? Oh, wow. I don't know. Like, is it my fault? I don't Imagine. know what I'm talking about. I have to like look this up now. See, 
Anyways, back to thinner. Back to thinner. Which I have to say, we I, we started like this thing of bringing back into the podcast, uh, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find like academic sources and articles and things to like discuss. But it's like ironically, the only thing in looking for some sort of analysis mm-hmm. about like weight in horror films, about quote unquote fat phobia or body shaming, positivity, fat people, you know, quote in horror films, the only thing I could find was. <laughs> Article after article, watching horror makes you thin. Somehow you burn calories while watching horror. Incorrect. I, I, I don't know anything. Yes. You know, but it was all these like articles. I'm like, oh my god, this is hysterical. So we don't. So you know, yeah, I, we don't really have anything to discuss. In, I, in I will. Realm. You know, I will say though, there there is a really good uh, Samantha B segment about how uh, fat people face so much discrimination and mm-hmm. that it's so bad from the medical community. Right. So we get a little bit of that from this movie because you know I commented that that when this main character is wasting away at, at death's door, a doctor says to him, I give you permission to stop the diet. I'm like, that's right. That's that's the only time a doctor's going to say it. Because now you're almost on the brink of death. <laughs> right. <then. laughs> yeah. Doctors yeah. uh, want to kill us. <laughs> yes. Uh, that That's the title of that. Doctors want to kill us. <laughs> right. Um, you're digging your grave with a spoon and fork. Oh God! Oh fuck! <laughs> Jesus. So I want to bring up uh, one thing. I want to bring up since we're we're going to talk. I wanted to talk about the uh, um, the fat phobia aspect of the film, right? So Please. you know, from the very from the very get go, you have um, and as someone who is like a fat person, been fat all my life, like it's it's really interesting to kind of have. Um, I talked about this in another um, in another episode about like me starting to follow um, uh, people on Instagram who are like academics and people who are doing work in the space to kind of unpack fat phobia and fat liberation issues. And it's interesting to see um, like in the beginning of this film how it's like, you know, oh, he he has the obviously he's like has his battle with the scale he looks at it like Mm -hmm. it's an enemy and all of this stuff and you know first of all the kitchen has like so many depictions of food all around it like you know i don't know what they were trying to do there but it's just fascinating art on the wall yeah it's like they really wanted to hit you over the head with the fact that like this guy is like a fat fuck who's who it's his it's his own it's his own fault that he's there because he's just like eating nonstop. he's carrying doritos around and like just you know eating 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 and then it gets to a point where after the curses um after curses place on him he's eating 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 because it's he's trying to slow the 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 effect of the curse right but i do want to i did want to read um something from uh someone everyone should be following on instagram uh this is uh at the fat sex therapist this is uh sona lee who is a um, non-binary uh, therapist and uh, sex educator and sex therapist who um, on a recent post uh, the image in the, the image is uh, equating thinness and health is mm-hmm. fat phobic right. so the idea that you know thinness and health is fat phobic um, and um, I really encourage everybody to follow her because sh- uh, they have some very interesting um Things that even for me, it's hard to hear and hard for me to unpack as someone who has been fed images and um, all my life about uh, uh, information and all that stuff all my life. And um, even like there was uh, another person I want everyone to follow is Kayla Bluna, um, who is at Chairbreaker, and they are an educator and uh, 
uh, and professor at uh, UC Berkeley. And th- recently they talked about like, um, like not being able to go to the gym. And then there was a post immediately right after that talking about like, you know, I don't post a lot about my fitness regimen because I don't want it to be centered about that. And I also like, there's a lot of politics that go into the idea of being, um, of, of like queer people, especially like, um, going to the gym and it's all mostly has to do with the idea of like resources. Like, do you have the access? Do you, are you able to this, that, and the other? And it's not, it's something that I do for me, but I don't want to center a conversation around it because mm. some people either they can't because of resources or they just don't want to, which is all okay. Yeah. So it's very fascinating to like, I encourage everyone to go follow those people and, and, and start to read things and try to unpack that thing, uh, unpack all of that. Um, it's been really interesting and actually kind of healing for me to read all these things. Cause it's been, it's like, okay, well, what is it that I'm really trying to get when I'm doing this? Am I trying to be like, you know, is the entire diet industry, diet culture and fitness industry basically just centered on aesthetics and yes. not on, mm-hmm. on health? Yep. yep exactly. So, spoiler. yeah, Sorry. spoiler alert, right? <laughs> spoiler alert. But I just wanted to, you know, in talking about this conversation and this particular film, bringing up those ideas where it's like, you know, this film can exist in a culture where that is extremely fat phobic and it's all about like, you know, um, Joshua brought up in one of the articles that Joshua did find is the idea that like the thin person is inside the fat person that needs to be released. Like the inner self, oh, the, the truer self is yeah, I'll under read the that. layers. Quote more after. Yeah. And, and you know, the way this person is portrayed is just eating constantly. Like he's, mm-hmm. there's never a moment in this movie when he's not holding food. And yeah. it, I mean, it makes me angry because, you know, I got a lot of shit as a fat kid and it's, you know, it's hard, like as a woman being bigger, like, you know, all my life. But, you know, this message that like, it's your, you know, first it's bad to, to be fat. It's unhealthy equating weight with uh, health. And also it's your fault. Yeah. And I mean that. I really internalized that as a kid, but I also thought, but I eat less than some of my thin friends, but I was also scared to say that or argue with what the common paradigm was because it's seen as like, well, you're just making excuses, you lazy fat fuck. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, telling doctors that like, I eat a healthy diet, I exercise, they just don't believe me, (laughs) you know? Um, I remember a, a doctor like asking me what I eat, which is a little refreshing actually by not just going by like looking at me and, uh, you know, telling her like about all the vegetables I eat and blah, blah, blah. But also, you know, uh Oh, I mentioned pasta and she, you know, put her notebook down. She's like, Oh, so you eat a lot of carbs. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and it's such a value judgment, right? Yes. It's such yes. like, because it's like, it's our, it's our fault for being this. I didn't mean this to turn into like, you know, the, the, the unpacking of the issues hour, but like it, no. the, the idea no. is that it's our fault because we got ourselves there and it's only, and it's our responsibility to take ourselves out of it because it's something that is entirely preventable, which is not the case. Right. In yeah. a lot of, for a lot of people and even diseases like diabetes and like they're like, there's also it's genet there's genetics there's all these things here and i know that like and i know and even now saying these things as somebody who is like a fat person i'm like also struggling with like am i making excuses like no these are true things i've been constantly gaslighted by a culture that's been trying to tell me that my body is wrong right Mm. the thing is you can have healthy behaviors that are not geared toward 
weight loss. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, and you know, you bring up, uh, you know, like diabetes as an example. I mean, a big difference between like fat people who have diabetes and thin people who have diabetes is doctors are less likely to give fat people the medicine we need and to prescribe things like weight loss surgery, which is not very successful and can kill you. So it's like, actually, if I'm not here, you know, here's, here's the thing. If you're not producing insulin, what you need is insulin, not to have a healthy organ cut out of your body. Yeah. So or reduced or right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. we, we did, it just, I guess, yeah, sorry, we went so far astray, but it no, it, we're not it just going. Pisses, yeah. it pisses me off yeah. and, and yeah. just to have this like in the way, yeah, just to portray this main character at the beginning is like, well, of course he's fat because he's just kind of blah, 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 blah. Just yeah, like he's that. like eating he's candy. He's a monster. Yeah. Yeah. He like goes up the stairs for, first of all, that whole scene was irrelevant because he goes up the stairs to have that moment with his coworker and then like, I'm leaving for the afternoon and goes back down. No, the, the whole stairs. point of that scene was just to objectify that woman. To, ju- to objectify right. that woman. But like the thing about it is that like, he goes up the stairs and the first thing that, 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 uh, that secretary in the front says is, oh, they're fixing the elevator by tomorrow. And it's like, well, I mean, obviously you thought, you know, obviously you don't think about it. And like, for me, I'm always constantly aware of that when I'm at my job, because it's like, you know, I would rather, um, and, and I would like, I would rather take the, the elevators there. I'm going to take the elevator. You know, it doesn't mean that because also I'm going to a meeting. I don't want to seem winded. Right. <laughs> like when I, right when I'm about to walk into a meeting and present something, like mm-hmm. it's not, um, you know, it's just like, if we're going to have it there, then we can use it. And I, I'm always kind of constantly trying to reinforce on myself, like, no, I can do whatever I want <laughs> and don't, don't shame me society right. for wanting to do that. Well, not totally. Like, first of all, like, I don't think this is off track at all. I actually, this is kind of the point. Cause again, like thinner, it's not some like classic horror film, but I mean, it, I love that it's bringing, cause this is exactly what this podcast is about is looking, is, is reading into this and, and looking at, you know, examining like a feature. And that this is definitely a film that is about that fat phobia and, you know, about like, you know, the, the demonizing of, you know, I mean, I think this guy's gross for a lot of reasons, Oh yeah, yeah. you know, but like this, this definitely is trying to portray like, you know, oh, he's fat too, like on top of it. Like not only does he show up and he's gross, he's a misogynist, you know, he's got lots of other like, but then oh, horror of horrors, he's also has the audacity to be fat, you know, and to like gl- gleefully eat food in front of people mm-hmm. and yeah. it, until his wife has to pull him away and they're Literally. all like down boy and like, like he's some kind of animal like you know, eating everything and you know it's just and how fucked up is that that like he's he's they're discouraging from actually taking pleasure in what it is that he's enjoying like it's not hurting anybody it just because oh you shouldn't be he's hurting himself joe he's digging his grave with a <laughs> fork and a spoon <laughs> you know I, jesus i think one of the most realistic parts of this movie yeah is that when he is clearly dying because it is alarming to lose what was it 40 pounds in two weeks yeah, yeah for doctors to be like oh yay right <laughs> like, I oh yeah when they're at the exactly yeah. totally divorced from all of their medical knowledge totally unscientific oh yay good job it's like i'm dying this shouldn't be happening <laughs> yeah oh but you look so good right <laughs> as opposed to the other two men who are who are also cursed where it's like their ailments are very aesthetic so it's like oh something's this is horrible this is horrible for them because they're like it's affecting the outside but because he's having like an immediate 
um, an immediate response that is actually aesthetically pleasing, that is like fits to societal standards, then it's like, oh, well, yours is not as bad. <laughs> Your, yours is not as bad. Yeah, I, I could actually, I'm sure it's happened where like somebody lost weight rapidly and because the immediate response is, oh, that's great. And like then something. they had cancer or something <laughs> right, like that. Right, yeah, that, that actually does happen all the time in addition to, you know, fat people being denied medical care because a doctor will just look at you and say like we'll just lose weight instead of actually like examining you right it's so lazy what the problem is yeah 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 Yeah, absolutely um i was just gonna say because um so i did find it's a book uh, the weight of images affect body image and fat in the media by oh gosh it's a small katarina karoya I'm not sure. We'll definitely. It'll be in the uh, show. It'll be notes. in the show notes. It'll be tagged. But yeah, there's a comment here about, um, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past about like you know it's it's never a good idea to be pregnant in a horror film. Something like no. terrible is going to happen to you. So this no. is like like the maternal body is seen as divided, keeping an other within itself. The fat body is often imagined as having another person within the slim, authentic in quotes self, familiar uh, from dieting narratives surrounded by the constructed fat flesh, both fat and pregnant bodies are deemed as explosive. They are bodies in waiting, ready to give birth to a new self, but not quite the self. So that's the uh, quote that you were referring to earlier. And I I think that's really fascinating in the sense of of this, uh, you know, yeah. In this conversation, (laughs) you know, this, the, the, where he is like being, he's being forced to lose a ton of weight really fast by this curse. And it is celebrated at first by the people around Mm -hmm. him. Like, good for you. You know, not as a, not as a medical. Mm, it's like, that's great. And he's kind of, he also is like, well, I don't think I'm supposed to be losing weight this way, but I guess it's all right. It's okay. great. Look, I'm eating even more. And then he's even like more horrifying in that moment with his daughter with stuff. You know, he's sucking no. on that bone and Ugh. food's falling out of his mouth and his daughter's horrified, but he's gleeful. Ah, you know what I want. You Which know, by just, the way, is if you've ever, if you've ever been around me when I eat ribs, that's how I look too. <laughs> I mean, that was a little gauche to like drop we, the bone like that's that. That's how but. we all want to eat ribs, I guess. If you're into eating ribs. Yeah. yeah I, Adrian is not a rib eater. No, no. Um, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I, we were talking before about how I was thinking of watching the fly, but then when I saw him eat that, that me oh, yeah. I thought maybe I shouldn't watch the fly if I can't <laughs> if this is gross to me yeah the yeah because I, I like I said I'm like yeah if you didn't like how because he's a human being eating food right his imagine jaw like is a, not dropping off yeah imagine like a fly eating food and it, it's it's actually a it's actually a scene in the film where he talks about how he eats and he how like yeah um, how uh so uh, fun uh <laughs> whatever his name is Seth yeah uh, Seth Brundlefly 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 um, can we talk about the law? Sure. Which, uh, uh well, yeah. Uh, was there something specific you want to talk about? Cause I did want to talk about just very briefly, like how criminal defense attorneys are, are demonized in the media. Oh yeah. Go, go yeah. for it. Go for it. So, that's uh, why we, you know, when I, when I threw this out, you brought that up and brought, you know, your law experience. I thought that's great. Awesome. Please. So number one, <laughs> we should not be demonized. It's actually... <laughs> You know, I, I think uh, the point of who who deserves def- defending nobody is uh, <laughs> is that actually that is sarcasm. The opposite is true. Everybody, um, right? Yeah. No, we uh, we live in a country with the the biggest uh, prison system in the world. You know, what we have five percent of the world's population, twenty five percent of the world's prison population. It's been growing exponentially. 
Um, there's uh, that comedian who made that joke that if we if we continued this way, all of us would be in prison. Um, Maybe we are all in prison, Adrian. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> twist. <laughs> twist. What twist? Twist. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Sorry. Uh, no, that was, no, that was dera- derailing your good. actual like good it. commentary. Sorry. <laughs> no, I like that. <laughs> um, so it, it actually is very important when you have, you know, the um, all the power of the government uh, accusing you of something either that you didn't do or because, you know, we're in America, this wouldn't be a crime in some other places. Um, you know, you might be over punished for something that, you know, is the biggest mistake of your life. Just talking very broadly, a, a big mistake could be, you know, hitting somebody with your car, uh, for example, right. While getting roadhead, which nobody seems to feel guilty about in this. You know, <laughs> we were talking a little bit about the problematic. I, I think that's a bit unnatural. <laughs> I, I've never met somebody who accidentally killed somebody and was like, la, la, la. Well, what's, what's the line it, that he says to his daughter? It's like an, ac- an accident is not a crime. Uh, yeah, I raised my hand during that part. <laughs> like that can that can be a defense. But I, I mean, that's that's why we have. I mean, that's what involuntary manslaughter is. Like, somebody's dead. You not, did not mean to do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, there's a but that whole doesn't mean that it's not. For that. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, um, fun fact, too, and I, I learned this in my um, my uh, crim law uh, class in law school, um, that manslaughter actually originated because, you know, it was just all murder. You know, you get, you get the death penalty and judges started becoming very uncomfortable with, uh, executing men who killed their wives in a, in a jealous rage. Um, so, you know, we, you hear about like a heat of passion crime. It's actually a thing that can be some kind of, you know, voluntary manslaughter, um, that they just didn't think that crime was as serious as, you know, planning, you know, to kill somebody. And it, it, I, I, speaking very broadly, it's, it's not <laughs> like this. It's good that we have, you know, yeah. we punish, uh, planning to kill somebody and then doing it, uh, more severely than a snap decision or, or we're supposed to, but that, that was, I've that's seen what, minority report. Like that's, uh, that's, <laughs> I watched snapped. Right. Right. I love snaps. Um, I mean, that's what's, uh, originally was behind manslaughter was, uh, hmm. wanting to protect men from killing their cheating wives, which this guy did, but it didn't seem like it was heat of the moment. He really planned. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. <laughs> where, premeditated. where I started was, you know, criminal defense attorneys serve a very important uh, purpose in society. I'm very proud to be a public defender. I love my job. But it, it so it does irk me when, you know, this, uh, this like, scum of defense attorney, get somebody off. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Don't like that. Hurts my feelings a little bit. That's okay. You're allowed to have that reaction. That's, Thanks. You know, it, the, you know, um, you were you were attacked by that film. You uh, know? You, <laughs> <laughs> very attacked right now. Also, you know, <laughs> Joe Montaigne doing his best to you know continual continuing to put the Italian American community <laughs> on a um, you know as its portrayal and uh, you know the the continuous portrayal of mobsters and right, you know. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing, too, is that he also has this connection to the the Romani people um, because, you know, Mama used to Mama knows them from the old country. type right. thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That so it's like, you know, story there. othering him in that way as well. 
yeah. but like on the good on this good side and but that was convenient. Yeah. Oh, my friend just, uh, my former attorney just called me. Uh, hang on. Let me mama. consult. <laughs> yeah, mama. <laughs> let me consult my, uh, Italian, uh, bartender mother. Oh, she says, uh, she says it's real. Yeah. <laughs> so it's real. You're told, you are cursed as fuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, and I will definitely assault, uh, a, a, a woman yeah. with acid over this. Yeah. Let's and then, go. And it's just like, it's one of those things where you can tell that Billy's like, oh fuck, what did I do? I, who have I been defending? Because this guy just completely like you know i owe you a debt and now he's like really he's taking it for, he's murdering dogs left uh, and right he's hiring uh hustlers hiring hustlers yeah. which you know love the fact that they put like a you know a cock in his mouth like a little rooster, chicken yeah, little yeah. Rooster's, rooster's head in his head. mouth and, yeah. catch yeah i was just yeah. like oh okay. it definitely it, it was uh very homophobic yes i mean you know but we're we're used <laughs> to the tropes of like the queers getting killed off right right in, in uh in horror films and yeah, it it's it's just the also the idea that like you know you it's never explicitly said that or shown explicitly that the wife is actually having this affair. Um it's hard to say cuz when the doctor shows up at the end it definitely seems like he's get like oh well uh, like uh, I think uh, I think home. it is revealed and you find out that like oh yeah he is like for yeah. sure but but he didn't really know. I don't think he really knew. I yeah. think that was all like a hallucination and it also begs the it also uh, I know this is not the way you use this phrase but it also um you know puts in your mind like oh has this happening the entire time because he has been like a big guy. You know, so has his wife been like cheating on him this entire time? And is it because he's been fat? But it's interesting because our culture does not really reflect that either. I mean, think about all the fat guy, hot wife, like shows, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I'm just using that as like Mm -hmm. the trope, you know, it's like, yeah, Kevin, what's Kevin James, yeah, Kevin James and Leah Remini, Remini, like, you know, I mean, that's like one, but that's definitely been like a a, a long-term trope that, you know, and that, I don't know, again, that's probably like a reflection of like patriarchy, like Ron Jeremy being like this really famous porn star who is definitely not conventionally attractive. Yeah. You know, in that sense, but it's like, he's like every man. Yeah. You know, so it's like that's that sort of reflection of that. It's like, no, this guy is totally banging his hot wife every single night. Yeah. Is typically what we're sold in that way. So that's an interesting reading of like, maybe not, you know, in this case, you know, but she's ready to, you know, go down on him, you know, in the car. She's so they, you know what I mean. So there's like yeah. I think there's hints at that, but that I don't. That's interesting. But we are you we are sold that story a lot. You mm-hmm. know that obviously this guy's, you know, hot. and I I don't know what that. Well, I, I'm I'd be curious. We should we can examine that. And, yeah. You know we can look at that. Like what is that? What is happening there outside of like just the patriarchal grossness of things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of like you have to live up to impossible standards, Adrian. But right, you know, yeah, I don't live up to them. No, I'm, I don't but, mean that. I mean, you know, with, you as like, a woman. women right, are like, yeah, women got to where guys yeah. don't. But this, sto- this story is actually about like that, about like, no, he's got to lose weight. And it's about yeah. like his body is the problem. Mm-hmm. And he's also like, you know, he's also someone who in the beginning you, it, it's very apparent. It was very apparent to me that he is overcompensating for his weight in many ways by he's like, he's very affable, like in the beginning where mm-hmm. he has, he kind of has this like jaunty, jovial personality, which a lot of times is like this, uh, you know, is this way that, 
uh, fat people overcompensate because, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, those are, anytime someone says that I'm jolly, I always like, that is such a, like, that's such a coded word for fat, like for fat. I'm. You uh, mean at you? Yeah, at personally? me. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, there was, I, I, like, there was this one time I was, I saw a friend from high school and she was like, oh, it's good to see you're still the same jolly Joe. And I was like. I I was like I want to kill something like well I mean not her but like it was <laughs> I just want to like smash something because I just felt like it was just very she's yes, ready to exactly. defend you it's a she's red ready. ball uh, <laughs> sorry my, I'm keep bringing it back to minority part um it's just one of those things where it's like it's such a loaded term like would you call someone who was like half my size and shredded would you call them also jolly or would you just say that they were like happy and a nice person? Like, that's the thing. It's just like, you know, because of how we associate that word specifically with, you know, a white man, you know, Father Christmas, like that's, right. it's yeah. just one of those huh. things where, but like he's overcompensated that way. He's, uh, def- he's this kind of like, m- like defense attorney who is really good at his job so much so that he like, you know, get, gets this guy off who everyone thought that he wasn't going to get off or, you know, like yeah. there's a, about he's rich, you he's know, rich. Mean, he has, yeah. you know. can, can I say something about that? Yeah. too? You know, yeah. I, I also hate the trope about the only criminal defense attorneys who we're supposed to like are the ones who only represent clients who yeah. they know are innocent. You, you don't know that because you weren't there. Mm-hmm. If you were, you would not be the lawyer. Um, and, you know, like I was kind of hinting at before, I mean, there, you know, it's not just protecting people who are innocent. It's protecting people from being overpunished. Um, there are some things like, you know, like I um, won a motion to suppress evidence when this client, you know, possessed meth. And it's like, I don't think people should be punished for um, possessing meth. And I won that because the judge agreed that the cop had no reason to stop him in the first place. And it's like, that's, you know, that's an important thing to do. It's not like I would be like, well, I don't want to defend guilty people. It's like, I don't, you know, that's, that's, that's not what it's about. You know, it's about making, making sure the government does their job correctly, protecting people from government overreaching. And, you know, if, if police break the law gathering evidence, they shouldn't be, you shouldn't be able to get a conviction out of that. No, it's okay. Right. Applying the law correctly, you know, or or making sure that they, they, hold up you know the standards of the law right Mm -hmm. because if we if we think about you know if you want to have this the larger conversation too if we think about the people the legislators who have made laws and the kind of the systemic uh systemic ideals that pervade how laws get made and who makes laws in xyz like you know it's it's very it's good that we have uh people who are a mechanism a a mechanism public defenders and the like who are here to, you know, make sure that like, we're just not indiscriminately or we're just not punitive, like putting people in jail with such impunity that it's like, you know, okay, well, you know, whatever, but yeah, that, well, that's what, Oh, sorry. No, right, I'm done. No, I was just gonna say, that's why snapped always really pisses me off a lot of times because I love to watch snap. But a lot of times, even if I'm like sitting there like, mm, yeah, she probably did it, you know, but they had no evidence, nothing, you know, it was just like, no, we just want to punish this woman, you know, well, or we want to like, I don't know. It just, it feels very punitive that way. Sometimes watching staff where it's like, no, we don't really know she did it, but we all really think she did. So well, prison for her, right? The, Death the, for her, whatever. The, the presumption of innocence is actually very important. Yeah. I mean, it's, it should be a, it should be a bigger deal than it is to people. Yeah. Like if somebody probably did it, but you don't know, right. 
you got to let them go. Yeah, yeah. It's or not enough. Fucking uh, prove yeah. it. Prove I mean, we, your case or go. We, yeah, there was what that study that like what like four or five percent of people in our prisons are factually innocent. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, but anyway, it, it it is a ridiculous statement to only have likable. Well, this one's not likable, but to have to specify, oh, I only defend people who I know. Mm-hmm. Are innocent, which is yeah. exactly the, what he says word for word to his daughter. It's like right. I wouldn't take this case if, if I, I didn't think he was innocent. See, if I wasn't convinced, if I wasn't I convinced he's, he's innocent, that's yeah. why I think again. I really suggest that you watch the first season of Serial because I'd love to hear your comments because that comes up with one of the lawyers where um, Sarah Koenig, who is the uh, narrator, the journalist behind Serial and investigating Adnan Syed, she asked this this woman that comes in who works for the Innocence Project. Mm-hmm. And like her team, and she asks her that it's like, well, do you only defend people who you know are innocent? And it's like, well, I don't, we never know that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but we sometimes make that mistake. And she comments on this case where she asks the defendant to point out the crime scene at, in this forest, like, well, where was it? And he's like, I didn't, I didn't kill it. I don't know. I wasn't there. I was never there. Right. And so it was interesting because she's talking about her own like biases in that moment. I thought it was really fascinating. So I, I, sorry, this is like going a little off the, off the trail, but I want you to listen to it because I'm really curious about your thoughts. Cause it's a really cool conversation where they have this thing, you know, this whole thing about defense and how this whole, how it works. And, you know, like that, that presumption of innocence is really lacking because we really think he did it. So that's good enough for us. Anyways, um, real quick, because we don't have too much time left, I I just wanted to bring up this uh, point that I wrote down about the whole story being like a revenge fantasy for like the complicity of like white patriarchal culture violence in um, in oppression. Uh, so in the fact that when when he killed when. Uh, Billy. Billy's <laughs> forgot his name for a moment. Billy's car kills this woman, and everybody's kind of like, you know, whoops, you know that the thing, you know. But it's like he knows the judge. The cop like works on his behalf to like say, nope, totally sober. Uh, you know, he doesn't get even points off of his driving record. You know, everybody just moves on, and the victimhood. All of these guys act like they're under. For you know, being complicit in this crime, however it would be in a court, you know, vehicular manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, however it would come out, still nobody is punished for the death of this woman, and that's what the 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 Romani people are responding to, you know, and putting a curse on these people, and then they all act like they're the victims. And I just, I don't know, I just wanted to bring that point up to you to see what thoughts can't come around <laughs> i mean he should have expected to take a hit on his insurance i mean i, I don't know i don't know if you know i mean the the going out into the the street may, may maybe he wouldn't be criminally charged but that seems like a pretty good pi case to personal injury case to take on there I we mean, go i mean and it probably would have benefited that that family to just just come on just uh, go after the insurance yeah. <laughs> instead right. of uh, torturing them to death i but feel that's like not what they were there for they wanted I, the torture I, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like you know we we would like to believe in a system where like punishment fits the crime right so uh, and uh, and Please correct me if I'm wrong or anything, but like, or the idea of like, you know, this cruel and unusual punishment, right? Is what uh, we, right. so it's like, okay. so in the situation, it's like, you know, 
Billy, for all in, for all intents and purposes, when he hit that woman, like it was an accident. He didn't like actively se- seek to like. Right, she ran out of the street. Exactly. He also is not really saying anything. He's not really saying anything that's too that's like openly problematic about the about the appearance of this like this tribe of Romy people, Roma people that are coming into, um, into this. He's just kind of like a bystander. Whereas the other two guys are like active, have actively openly said out in like being these overt public figures said like, no, these are the scum of the earth and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so they, I feel like they get it a lot worse because it's like, they, it's like their prejudice, they're already prejudiced. And it's like, okay, well this woman doesn't, they don't deserve any justice because you you just got rid of one of the other problems. Hmm. You know, I I don't want us to forget, um, you know, the possibility of cursing people with, uh, you know, just more inconveniences. True. Like like brushing your hand on somebody's cheek and saying, your socks are always a little wet. (laughs) Exactly. Like we can, it isn't like, I feel like, you know, one guy's turning into a lizard. One guy's got leprosy. This guy's just getting thinner and thinner and thinner until eventually, you know, and it, and, but like, you know, what, like the internet is out. Right. If somebody (laughs) takes my parking spot, they're going to get hit with a weak Wi-Fi. Yeah. (laughs) And also the fact that like the very fact of like stroking someone gently with the back of your hand is also really awful. Like, it's just like, uh, (laughs) Uh, you know you have wet hair all day you know something like that but like so it's just like the punishment fits the crime so like these two guys are like really actively like against all of the all of the tribe that that have come into the town whereas billy's just kind of like complicit and over here even though he actually is the one who committed the crime those guys like protected him without Mm -hmm. him even asking i don't think he even explicitly asked to be protected well it goes right to like the coroner's inquest and so you really don't know like his motivations Mm -hmm. outside of not wanting to be Mm -hmm. i think he does talk later though about colluding Mm -hmm. with the others Okay, maybe, but, but still, I I think that's an interesting reading, especially with what, what we're talking about now, because they're like, oh well, she was stealing something, because the 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 guy at the shop is like, oh, she was stealing something. So it, again, it's like we're putting the blame. So when we're talking about now, we're talking about a Mexican caravan instead mm-hmm. of the you know quote unquote gypsy Roma caravan. Um, it, you know, there's like this fears, but it's like you know we're stealing their children and it's because they're thieves and they're illegal people and they're coming to this country and doing terrible things they're committing crimes all you know so it's like which is apparently our basis for like completely for separating families and yeah exactly and for like you know committing horrific like yeah there's a humanitarian crisis at the border because we've created it you know and so it's like this this film it just was interesting watching it now because i have not seen it since it came out in 96 it, i mean i probably saw it on tv at ni- in 97 or something like that so it's been a very long time since i've actually seen it so watching it even if that's not the intention it's not like i don't think stephen king set out to be like i'm going to write something about the white patriarchy and it's you know the destruction of native people the erasure where you talked about where he talked about being erased and then you know the xenophobia in that and mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. the the uh, the roma man um Tatsu, Tatsu, Lemke, yeah. saying you never see us, you know, yeah. we're invisible. So it's like, I, I just thought all of that was really fascinating watching it now in the time period we live in where we are demonizing so many people mm-hmm. and it's all stuff like we, he hit that woman and killed her regardless of intent. They started all this, but it's like, they're the victims and we are seeing that every day now. Like we're the victims are, you know, white mm-hmm. culture is, is being victimized by, you know, white males are 
are what is what was the quote that like was this week i don't remember some guy ranting about how lgbtq people are not are the are the real nazis we're now the ku klux klan that gr- yeah. that horrid man who yeah, like yeah, talked yeah. about drowning yeah, yeah. his kids or whatever if he, implied it. he implied, implied it. Sorry, allegedly. Yeah, he implied it. Allegedly. He implied it. He never actually said it. But but that's but that's the thing, is that like there are the state is actually in this process of like trying to actively erase actively erase different groups of people. Yeah. And I feel like they're this, the victims. Yeah. Well, I mean going back to something you were saying, it's it, it's not a crime to seek asylum. It, it is right. a crime to 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 tear gas people unprovoked. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's uh, you know, yeah. it's, there's some serious uh, potential crimes uh, and uh, at the very least serious civil rights violations. Absolutely. It's absolutely yeah. horrible. What's going on? Yeah. So I just thought you know, in watching it, I, I was like, wow, this. I, I have something to contextualize this film, which overall I don't think is is a you know some great fantastic piece of film, but. You know, there's a lot of like you know when you apply this sort of analysis, it's very interesting. Yeah, you know, I, for I sure. Just, I, I thought so. Anyway, so we have to uh, wrap up. Uh, Adrian, thank you so much for coming on, oh, and I do, me. I do think I of you as, as one of my personal heroes that mm. I know because I do think you do fantastic work, and and thank it's not you. appreciated work either. And I know that public defenders get, <laughs> I mean, hundreds of cases that get thrown at you, and you got to figure out how to to wade through all that. So I know it's difficult work, and. So I really appreciate that you do that. And oh. it's, um, it's wonderful. You know, we need more people that and believe we'll have, the way you and do. And I can't wait to have you again on the show. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Truly. Come back. come back. We'll talk about X-Files. We'll talk about other, other stuff. We won't talk about the ring. I promise you that. <laughs> you know, we didn't even, and it's, it's so funny. We didn't even really get into, I mean, you are a, a an incredible feminist and you have such awesome thoughts on, you know, so much, so many other things that I really, yes, I want you to come back and we'll pick some other movies and I'd love oh. to get into some of that with you as well. Yeah. It's crazy. We, we talked about so many things. We didn't talk about how this movie really does not like women uh, no so we no. we gotta have you back on to talk about more uh, more stuff so anyways uh thank you thank you thank you for coming on and and, and having some uh spending some time with us joe as always awesome love ya um dear listener thank you for listening and keeping us going rate listen subscribe all of that until next time good evening Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davey Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network.